Welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. I'm the mom, Linda Weiniger. Okay, um, this week we are reading Matthew 3, Mark 1, and Luke 3. So again, we are not covering every chapter in the Bible. So in the New Testament, so be sure to be reading those on your own. If, um, if you're trying to cover reading the Bible from cover to cover, okay. So you'll want to make, uh, you'll want to keep track of your own reading chart for that. Um, but then like the come follow me, you know, will obviously have its own set of scriptures. So I know I read it from cover to cover and also read it alongside reading the book of Mormon. And it was a really cool, uh, fun experience. Um, so if you want to do that, then um, I would suggest just looking up like uh, New Testament 365, Book of Mormon 365, and then just reading those together. Or you could do like the entire Bible in 365, or you could also do all four standard works in um, three, uh, 365 days. So, you know, um, if you're feeling ambitious, you know, those are the things, those are how you can read Um and it is actually really cool. So I would highly suggest it, highly recommend it. Um, give it five stars and everything, okay? So, okay, so we're going to start with Matthew 3. Um, <clears throat> so when Matthew wrote his record referring to John the Baptist, he wrote, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. 700 years before John the Baptist came to earth, Isaiah prophesied of John and prophesied of what would happen when Christ came. Um, So see Isaiah chapter 40 verses 3 to 5. Christ's ministry would be of such impact that every valley shall be exalted and every mountain hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. Things that seem permanent or immovable could be changed. Prophets were looking forward to this moment when John would come which meant that Christ would also soon come. So these chapters continue to tell the story of when that finally happened. Um, And then Mark lived in Jerusalem and was an assistant to Peter. He wrote the book of Mark based on what he learned from Peter. He was also with Paul on some of Paul's missionary journeys. Mark was writing to the Gentiles and to Christian converts. Um, Who were the Pharisees? Uh, Pharisees were a Jewish religious party. They were strict followers of the law and avoided anything that was of the Gentiles. They separated themselves by their particular way of living. They held the oral law to be just as important as the written law. And then who were the Sadducees? The Sadducees were a high class among the Jewish society. They were small in number but powerful. They spread Greek influence through Israel. They did not believe in the resurrection and only accepted the written law of Moses. And what was the oral law? Among the Jews, there was the written law, laws found in the five books of Moses, and the oral law. The oral law was full of additions to the written law in order to adopt them for current conditions. These laws were passed on by word of mouth orally or were memorized, the oral law would often interfere with the true meaning of the written law, and the Pharisees accused Jesus of breaking the oral law. It kind of seems like 
they would interpret things their own way and make it their own and then get mad that somebody interpreted it in a good way that would make it different than what they wanted it to be. So I almost um, liken that to uh, moral relativism. I think that's what it's called. (laughs) I can't even remember it. Um, Where basically people here now, they interpret... Nowadays, they interpret certain commandments and things and they adjust them to their own, uh, to their own liking, you know, to whatever it is that they want it to be. And you miss out on those blessings that come from, you know, being obedient to the commandment, to the written law, um, because now you're kind of making up your own law that kind of goes with it, if that makes sense. So, okay. Um, we're going to read Matthew 1 or Matthew 3, 1 through 6. Okay. In these days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea um, and saying, repent, which repent means a change of heart or mind. Ye for the kingdom of God or for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So at hand means like he has come. The Messiah was already on the earth, right? So they were trying, he was trying to get them like prepared. So then verse three, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of caramel's hair and leathern girdle about his loins and his meat was locust and wild honey. I kind of picture like this rough guy, you know, um, and then like five, then went out to him, Jerusalem, then went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. So there was like a lot of people when you start naming cities, like, so then all of Jerusalem and Judea and places around that went to him. That means a lot people. So John preaches and prepares the way, um, for Jesus Christ. So, um, here there's some commentary. It says around 30 years has now passed since the previous verse where Joseph returned to Nazareth with his family. Matthew now picks up with his, with the mission of John the Baptist. Matthew's record was written to the Jews and was, and he was continually demonstrating that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. Here, Matthew points out that John the Baptist fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy that one would come before Jesus. He would be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Um, so John was the very person that Isaiah was prophesied, that Isaiah prophesied of. The imagery in Isaiah's prophecy could be referring to the ancient herald. A herald would go before the approach of a great leader announcing their arrival. The herald would also remove any obstacles and paths were made straight prior to the arrival of the person they were announcing. In verse 2, Matthew condensed John the Baptist's message into this, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The footnote for this is, is at hand explains that this phrase means has come. The Messiah was already there. He had just begun his ministry, yet John was gathering disciples for Jesus, and they were gathered then the same way they are gathered today, through repentance. 
Matthew mentioned John's clothing and food. Uh, Camel hair. Oh, I said caramel. (laughs) Camel hair was a coarse, shaggy, inexpensive cloth. It was worn by the poor. A regular girdle was a belt made of leather, while a finer one was embroidered with silk and decorated with fine threads and jewels. His food was also the same as the common people. Locusts were flying insects like grasshoppers. They were prepared for eating in various ways, including roasting on a stick. This sounds gross. Super gross, guys. Therefore, this same John, whose birth was announced by an angel and who will have the great honor of baptizing the Savior, was just as the common folk for one holding such an important message he did not expect special treatment, food, or clothing. Yeah, wow. Um, John fulfilled the mission he was given. He preached so effectively that then went out to him Jerusalem, uh, yeah, and Judea and all the region around about. So what do you think, what do you imagine John was like when he preached? What do you think made him so effective that many people came to him and were taught so well that they were baptized? What special gifts do you imagine John might have possessed in order to fulfill his very important mission to prepare disciples for Jesus Christ? What do you think he taught so that the Jews like John the Beloved, Andrew, and others were drawn to what he was teaching? So Elder Bruce R. McConkie taught the uniqueness of John the Baptist's position. Quote, The miraculously born son of Zacharias was the last legal administrator of the old dispensation, the first of the new. He was the last of the old prophets, the first of the new. With him ended the old law, and with him began the new era of promise. He is the one man who stood literally at the crossroads of history. With him, the past died, and the future was born. Whoa, that's kind of cool. Elder Bruce R. McConkie, Doctrinal New Testament Commentary. Okay, so now we're going to read Mark 1, 1 to 6. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness, and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So people just flocked to him, you know. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. Everybody really liked to share that kind of information, dude. That's just to show you how poor he was, um, but also, like, how courageous he was. He's like, I don't, like, I don't picture him eating fancy meals and stuff. You know, he's like, I didn't, I didn't need fancy meals. I just needed to focus on my, uh, on my mission of preaching about Jesus Christ. You know, like, if you start worrying about fancy meals, then that takes time. If you start worrying about fancy clothes, that also takes time to coordinate yourself, you know, um, I remember in one of the chosen movies or episodes, like we could see like this person putting on their robes or whatever 
took forever, you know? It takes time to do all these things. And he was just super focused, hyper-focused on his mission, you know? And that kind of is a good example of, like, what we need to be doing. Like, what are we hyper-focused on? Are we working towards our goals of helping the Lord further his work? Are we working on our goals in the same way even? Or are we getting distracted, you know, and discouraged and deceived by the adversary and... Um, not working towards those things that um, we know we want to work on to better ourselves and better our community and bring people closer to Christ through our example. And so, like, he was just focused. He didn't have fancy food, fancy clothes. He didn't even do his hair, you know, camel's hair. Like, you know, sometimes I feel like we maybe uh, focus too much on what we look like um, than the message that we are trying to share. Uh, and just depends, you know, on who your audience is, you know, there's certain people that need to focus on that kind of stuff. And, um, I'm not trying to discount any of them, like, you know, and they share the gospel, you know, like if president Nelson had camel's hair, Ooh, you know, be kind of struggling a little bit. But he always looks so pristine and so put together and so like with a suit and like I know he doesn't wear that every day, but I know he wears it most days and it's just like super professional looking because he's visiting with presidents and things like that. You know, it just depends on who your audience is. Um, okay, so and then we have um, some extra stuff here. Oh, hold on. I got to pause and check on floor. She's a good miss and she's still sleeping. So we're lucky. Okay. Um, so then it says Matthew and Luke began their gospels with the birth of Christ. Mark began his record with the ministry of Jesus Christ, which must be, must begin with John the Baptist. Mark recorded Mark's record is similar to what Matthew wrote. However, Mark gave us this insight. Um, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John prepared the way by teaching the first principles and ordinances of the gospel. Okay. <clears throat> and it seems like obviously his audience was people in the wilderness, so what do you expect? You know, you can't he can't be like in a suit or whatever if he's hoping to teach people in the wilderness. Okay, um, Luke 3, so Luke 3, 1 to 6, says now, in, oh, and this is John preaches and prepares the way again. So we're just talking about like how everybody kind of started their books. Okay, so um, we're going to talk about a Roman emperor right here. <sighs> so now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, this is a Roman governor set over Israel, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Etruria, I don't know how to pronounce that, and of the reign region of Trichontitis, that sounds like a disease, <laughs> and Licinius and Tetrarch of Abilene. Yeah, some of these sound like you like an illness. <laughs> I feel like I had uh Traconi Traconitis um in my lungs, but who knows? Anyway, um 
Number two, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And he came into the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Esaias, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways shall be made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Okay. Okay, so Luke, like Matthew, uh, jumps forward many years and will establish the time by connecting the year with the rulers at the time. Okay, so it's kind of nice because then you can kind of get, if you like history and that kind of stuff, you can connect those things. Okay, so we're going to go over a few of the leaders. So Tiberius Caesar had followed Augustus Caesar and was the current emperor of Rome and was now in his 15th year of power. Since the Jews in Israel were under the power of Rome, Caesar was their ultimate ruler. So I remember a couple st- uh, things that the Lord says about Caesar, so that that's kind of helpful. Um, and then Pontius Pilate was the procurator or governor over the region of Israel. A procurator... I don't know if I'm putting the accent over the right place, is an agent representing Rome. He was responsible for overseeing Israel and answering to Caesar concerning his region. Okay. Then Herod, the tetrarch, 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 um, when King Herod the Great died, the Romans divided Israel among three of his sons. Verse one is referring to Herod Antipas. A tetrarch is a leader over an area of a country. Okay, so it looks like it would first be... Anyways, I'm not going to try and pretend what, what it is. I don't know what it is. Okay, so then Philip the tetrarch. Philip the tetrarch of Ituria um, was the half-brother of Herod Antipas and received a portion of the land to rule over. Philip made a place called Panias or Penian, his capital, and then named it Caesarea Philippi. Oh, okay. Okay, and then Licinius. Licinius was of no relation to the Herodian dynasty, but may be mentioned as a way of establishing the time period of which Luke is now writing. Licinius was tetrarch of Abilene of the small area of Mount Hermon. Okay, and then Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest, was the presiding officer of the Aaronic priesthood at the time. It should have been a lifetime calling, and men were given this calling by revelation. However, when Herod and the Romans had power, high priests were inappropriately appointed and disposed at the pleasure by Herod and the Romans alike. So some people were not legit. There should only be one high priest at a time. Annas had previously been the high priest, but had been removed from office from either the Romans or Herod. Years later, his son-in-law, Caiaphas, was appointed to be the high priest, and Annas regained much influence. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Okay. And then um, 
says, after establishing the time period through the rulers of the day, Luke says that this was the time that the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. God was not speaking to the high priests over Israel. His word came into unto John. There is a Joseph Smith translation for verses four to five, four to six, that clarifies the meaning and what John taught to help believing Jews understand clearly that the Lord was soon coming and what he would do when he came. The JST is the to the left. So I'll read that. And the bold is the added text. Okay, so so these are some of the things John taught. Okay, so I'm gonna read that. Okay, and then we'll kind of bullet point it. Okay, remember to follow along. We're reading Luke 3, verses 4 to 11, so that you can see what I'm inserting, okay? So I'm going to read the com- combination between what it says in the Bible and what the JST says. So you follow along, so that I don't have to... Oh, so I don't have to keep stopping. Okay. As it is written in the book of the prophet Isaiah, and these are the words saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. Okay, so this is inserted five through nine-ish. Okay, for behold, and lo, he shall come, as it is written in the book of the prophets, to take away the sins of the world, and to bring salvation unto the heathen nations, to gather together those who are lost, who are of the sheepfold of Israel, yea, even the dispersed and afflicted, and also to prepare the way and make possible the preaching of the gospel unto the Gentiles, and to be a light unto all who sit in darkness, unto the uttermost parts of the earth, to bring to pass the resurrection from the dead, and to ascend up on high, to dwell on the right hand of the Father, until the fullness of time, and the law and the testimony shall be sealed, and the keys of the kingdom shall be delivered up again unto the Father, to administer justice unto all, to come down in judgment upon all, and to convince all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed, and all this in the day that he shall come, for it is a day of power. Okay, so now we're going to continue reading verse 10. Yea, every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Okay, so it's going to be confusing the way you look at it, but here's some bullet points, okay? Jesus shall come. That are the some bullet points that Jesus that John taught, um, and notice that he taught about his first coming and second coming. So Jesus shall come; he will take away the sins of the world and bring salvation to everyone. He will gather Israel. He will make possible the teaching, uh, the teaching of the gospel of the to the Gentiles. He will be a light unto all in the earth who sit in darkness. He will bring to pass the resurrection. He will ascend to the Father. In the fullness of times, he will come come down in judgment upon all. It will be a day of power that will affect the entire world. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Oh, love it. Now he says all flesh. I always wonder, like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to see God, you know, because it says flesh, but it doesn't say like all spirits, doesn't say like all people, doesn't, you know, so I don't know. Okay, so now we're on Matthew 3, verse 7 to 12. One second. Okay, so we're kind of overlapping. Um, As you can see, we're not going through the entire chapter in order, 
but we're breaking things up and kind of covering the same information. And something that I wonder is, did they, did all three of them really, or I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? So did all four of them have to write about practically the same thing? Like they're all kind of in their own special uh, flavor, but like, and style, but like, and they kind of give their own flair. But did they all have to testify of Christ like this? Did they all have to do their own journaling? Like this is like their journals and we combine them, it seems. And now we're just kind of um, able to take their their writings, right? Um, and read them and and learn about Jesus Christ. And it's great. But it also kind of confirms to me that, you know, people worry about um, and this is kind of more like on a business level, I guess, but people always worry about, um, selling the same products or, um, teaching the same material or, um, you know, on YouTube, you can see a bunch of people teaching literally the same thing. Like if I search for how to sell on Etsy, there's like a bazillion people trying to teach me how to sell on Etsy. And the same goes with like people that teach basketball or people that teach sports, right? There's so many coaches. What are they teaching? Literally the same game. Like there's so many teams out there that play sports and that they compete against each other, right? Everybody has, everybody's teaching the same stuff over and over again. Products, people sell products that are the same all the time. And, you know, like how come there's so many people selling purses and how come there's so many people selling shirts or selling shoes, for example, you know, and how come there's so many people selling water bottles? Like how many different water bottle styles do we need? I mean, you can look in our cupboard and like, People are always, when you start getting into business, people are always um, worried that somebody else has already invented this or that somebody else has already, we're so caught up in trying to be original in what we do that we stop ourselves from progressing. Like, and it's, you know, it it comes down to our thoughts. And of course, Satan um, gets in there and is whispering all kinds of things to us, making us um, feel inadequate and giving us like imposter syndrome. Cause you know, maybe it's our first time selling, uh, jewelry or it's our first time selling art or it's our first time, uh, selling food at a food stand or, you know, um, because we're afraid that somebody else is doing the same thing. Well, that's what, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have done here. They're basically telling us about the life of Christ in different ways um, that they see his life. And, you know, for the most part, it's generally the same, but then there's certain pieces that are like added onto, you know, there's like, oh, you know, so-and-so likes to talk more about the history of what happened. Oh, and so-and-so likes to prove prophecies and so-and-so likes to, you know, and there's just like a different flair for each one of them. And I love that so much because it just goes to show you that even when we talk about Christ, even when we're testifying of Christ, we might be like, why am I going to share my testimony? So-and-so has a better testimony. Or why am I going to share my experience? So-and-so had a cooler experience or so-and-so, you know, like it doesn't matter. Like the Lord has given us our special circumstances, our special gifts, our special weapons, our special abilities, our skills. And, 
And he wants us to share how he had, how the Lord has affected our lives in the way that only we can deliver it. Like we're the only ones that are going to be able to share our testimony, the special way that we can. And it's going to hit certain people a certain way. It's going to affect them a certain way. And it might affect certain people in a positive way. And who knows, it might affect people in a negative way, depending on who they are. And that's okay. You know, um, not everybody's going to love you. Just FYI. I just want to put that out there. You're going to have some haters and that's what it is. Like, this is just how life is. We're just going to have haters and, you know, it's just our job to be like Jesus and love everybody. Right. Just like Christ loved everyone. And, but I just want to make sure that, you know, like, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John can share their testimonies in their own special way, in the way that they needed to deliver it, we can also share our testimony in our own special way with our own experiences, whether we are two years old or we are 200 years old. You know, we can share our experiences and our testimony of Jesus Christ no matter what. And whatever Satan's trying to tell us to discourage us um, doesn't matter because he's just trying to stop us from sharing about Jesus Christ. And if my testimony sounds just like sister so-and-so's testimony, that doesn't mean it's bad. That just means we happen to have the same testimony about something. And that's actually could be a good thing. You know, I mean, even Christ says, um, or is it Christ? No, I can't remember. But out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, you know, things can be made known. And so it's okay to have the same testimony as maybe somebody else, but also like the more that you learn how to share your own testimony in your unique way, you'll gain confidence as you continue to practice. And I love that dad and Finn got to go to um, this empty steak MTC that they're doing because they did this activity where they had to have like a group of kids um, speaking to a couple or an adult and they were able to share their testimony about a principle of the gospel and they chose and Finn chose about the light of Christ and he said it was kind of a little bit hard to do at first but then the last one he felt like he did a really good job and so I think it's you just got to find you know the more you practice sharing your testimony the more you practice doing those things the easier it's going to become and I so I love um I love that they do the stake MTC to kind of give them, get them, get them used to those things and get, give them opportunities to share their testimony in a safe way so that they can be, uh, so that their confidence can, can wax strong, you know? Okay. Um, so anyway, that was my little blurb on that. Okay. Uh, we're going to read Matthew three, seven to 12. Okay. So this is John the Baptist warns and testifies, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, Oh, generation of vipers, <laughs> vipers. He meant like wicked children from wicked parents who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come bring forth. Therefore fruits meet for repentance and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is the, is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid 
unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And then they're trying to say like the tree is like ready to be destroyed. Um, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in the hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So this is like an analogy of separating the righteous and the wicked. And the threshing floor where wheat and chaff and chaff are separated and then a fan blows and the blows like all the chaff away. Um, I would recommend looking up what that uh, video of what that might look like because that seems like it would be like a cool thing to, to watch. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, what? Like he was a little bit mean at the beginning when he just saw the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism. He kind of yelled out to them, oh, generation of vipers. Like, I mean, you know, that's his own flair. That's, that's how he dealt with people. I guess he immediately knew that they were just haters, you know, and they, he was trying to call them out. Um, and so that's, that's what John the Baptist can do. Um, I wouldn't recommend... <laughs> being immediately mean to your haters uh because what do we know about that we know that um being mean to people who are already mean to us is never going to help them be kind to us but at the same time you know there i know that there's people who are mean and make really vile comments on youtube videos of like children and they tell them to like uh, go die or go do something bad. And obviously like those people need to be reprimanded and those comments deleted and whatever, but, um, and those people need to be identified as who they are, the generation of vipers. Right. So like, (laughs) so there's like that fine line, you know, try and try and be kind. But then, you know, if you already know that they're not kind, ignore them, leave flee run away from that situation um because haters are just going to continue to hate no matter what um and if we can spread a little bit of kindness at all whatsoever that would be good but you know that's not our focus our focus is to uh keep being keep being awesome keep being yourself and ignore everybody who's trying to bring you down okay and then mark 1 okay actually here we go um, so i'm going to read something about matthew 3 7 that we read um as john gathered disciples he caught the attention of jewish leaders and john was not afraid to tell them exactly who they were so i guess that's kind of what i was talking about so the pharisees were the jewish religious party they were strict followers of the law and avoided anything that was of gentiles they separated themselves by their particular way of living and they held the oral law to be just as important as the written law among the jews there was the written law laws found in the five books of moses and the oral law um so we did discuss that um already and then i told you about the sadducees so i guess he just kind of um was trying to identify who they were, right? And then when the Pharisees and Sadducees came to one of John the ba- 
one of John's baptisms, he called them generations of vipers or evil children from evil parents who had warned you to flee from the wrath to come. If the Sadducees and Pharisees were acting contrite and like they were there for humble reasons, John wants to know what brought them here. For the Pharisees thought of themselves more righteous than others and the Sadducees did not believe in an afterlife. Um, John called the Pharisees and Sadducees to higher ground, bring the fruits, actions, and qualities that are required in order to change or repent. Just being in, just being of the family and lineage of Abraham is not enough to go to heaven. There was a common belief that God's judgments would only be poured out upon the Gentiles and that Israel would be saved because of promises made to Abraham. So there's a quote from James E. Talmadge says Judaism held that the posterity of Abraham had an assured place in the kingdom of the expected Messiah and that no proselyte from among the Gentiles could possibly attain the rank and distinction of which the children were sure John of were, were sure John's forceful assertion that God could raise up from the stones on the riverbank children to Abraham meant to those who heard that even the lowest of the human family might be preferred before themselves unless they repented and reformed, end quote. Um, and that's found in Jesus the Christ, page 115. John continued to teach the Pharisees and Sadducees the truth about the standing before God. In verse 10, he compared them to a fruit tree. A fruit tree that does not bring forth fruit is worthless and will be cut down. Okay, so um, still kind of harsh, you know, in my opinion, but Maybe that's how they did it back then. John then explains that someone much greater was coming. He was baptizing with water, but Jesus will bring the gift of the Holy Ghost, which will refine the souls of the saints. John then referenced the threshing floor to represent the Lord separating the righteous from the wicked. The threshing floor was a smooth, hard surface where wheat was beaten so the grain would separate from the chaff straw. The fan would cause the straw to blow off, leaving the wheat on the floor. The Pharisees and Sadducees would have understood this analogy since it was part of the Israel of Israel's everyday life. So you got to bring um, ideas and thoughts um, that people can relate to and that they're familiar with. So like when you come up with analogies of like video games, like Finn did for its talk about minecraft perfect you know like that's how people are going to relate to certain things and you can bring that special message that nobody else is going to um that's nobody else is going to get or you know some people might be getting you know and that's okay too and you can continue to share that um i just want you to know that like just because you don't know how to share an analogy of wheat and tares and threshing floors doesn't mean your message is not as important to share about Jesus Christ, that your testimony is not important to share. Because it is. Um, okay. And, cause, and everything typifies of Christ. You know I believe that. So, okay, Mark 1, uh, chap- Mark chapter 1, verse 7 to 8. And preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to s- stoop down and unloose. Indeed, I have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So I think it's awesome that everybody was talking about Christ's shoe latchet. I think they must have just had a lot of that going on that everybody's um, that, you know, John the Baptist said that. Um, 
because they can relate, you know, because everybody had shoe latchets. Okay, um, then Luke chapter 3, verse 7 to 13, and th this is what, where we'll end for now after I read a couple commentaries. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able to uh, is able of these... Oh, excuse me. Of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? The common people wanted to know how to avoid verse 9. He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. That means like bear one another's burdens, you know. Then come also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. So like, do not gather more than you are owed, right? Uh, so this was just John the Baptist warning and testifying and, you know, trying to give examples of like what these people could do if they were of a specific kind of people, I guess. Um, okay, Mark uh, commentary, or sorry, Luke commentary 3, 7 to 11. The people, not the Sadducees or Pharisees, heard the warning which John spoke of to the Pharisees and Sadducees and wanted to know what they could do to avoid the consequences of which John spoke of. So how do you avoid the consequences which John the Baptist just laid out? Um, see what others' needs are and bear their burdens help them look around and if you see someone without a coat and you have a and you have two give them one do you see someone who needs food ease their sufferings so it that's just part of our baptismal covenant is to bear one another's burdens and help people out so um okay we're gonna pause there for now and we'll return tomorrow okay it's quote unquote tomorrow <laughs> we are in Chicago actually now and we are with uh well I guess I should say Clark and I are in Chicago dad and I but the boys they got to stay with grandma and Flora got to stay with grandma too and it's so fun for them to get a change but then it's also fun for us to have a change so it's great okay um here we go. Let's see. Oh, I made a, a temple appointment for 12 o'clock. So I will be leaving here soon um, so that I can get there because it takes like an hour and a half to get there. So I should have taken a nap, but I was doing a lot of, uh, <laughs> a little bit embarrassed to say, but it was worth it. Um, a lot of doggy daycare research, doggy boarding. So something that I'm finding in this, uh, I guess, concept of um, real estate business is so intriguing because what you want is you want more bodies or more rentals from a small space, right? So that's why people rent or that's why people purchase hotels, right? Because you can put so many people in one space 
um, or hotels or apartments or whatever. So many people in one space and then let them rent it out. And then you get monthly income from each one of these places. Anyway, so um, things like renting out a hotel or, or purchasing a hotel or things like boarding, um, you can fit a lot of uh, animals in a small space because right now also real estate is expensive where we are and you can also fit a lot of um like for example uh units to rent out in a small space if you're doing like a storage unit because that's also kind of the same thing and then another thing is p.o boxes or like boxes at um little mail centers and stuff they rent out a lot of boxes in a small square footage space anyway that's what I was researching for dog boarding because I love dogs and especially our Shiomai and so I was thinking maybe that could be like a way to get into the real estate biz but like not have to <laughs> not have to have like money enough to purchase a hotel because honestly I I mean you know, Grant Cardone talks about like, just get a hotel, get a, like, you, you know, it's like three, $3 million and then you, you put, you put in 500,000 to get, fix it up and then you start getting returns on so much. And I'm like, that feels really overwhelming. Like, no joke. I mean, I know I'm supposed to hire people, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I'd rather put my time into doing something else like dog boarding or something. And then I get similar, uh, spatial kind of renting you know um system but maybe not as much of the work because and it's more fun because you got dogs and stuff <laughs> anyway random thoughts there for you um okay about biz because <laughs> you know mom okay so here we are we're at luke chapter three we're gonna go through verses 14 to 20 um, it says, and the soldiers likewise demanded of him saying, and what shall we do? And he said unto them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely and be content with your wages. So don't you don't overuse your power to exploit others for gain, you know, and um, this was interesting, you know, because it's interesting, like when people get baptized and when people are trying to look for um remission of their sins or they're trying to figure out how to become better people because we because they want to get closer to Christ we start wondering what it is that we need to do we look outside of ourselves and are asking other people like tell tell me what I'm supposed to do tell me what I'm supposed to do because that's how that's how the natural man is it's like just tell me what I got to do and then either now it's just my choice whether I do it or not you know um but President Nelson I heard in a talk or um interview somebody else um I think it was Sherry Dew and he's because she's always I mean she wrote a book about him and stuff but anyway like she said that in all of his communication to the church and or maybe it was his wife maybe it was sister nelson sister wendy nelson anyway um in all the communication that he does 
to people and outward. He tries to not should anyone. He tries to not give them, you should do this, you know? Um, and he just tries to give them as much information as possible because he doesn't want to remove their agency. And I have, I have really noticed that about President Nelson, that he is not going to tell us exactly what to do. And he's not going to tell us exactly what not to do. Like, he's not going to spell out, like, you know, what's a hairdresser going to do? And what is a, you know, tax collector supposed to do? And what is, you know, and back, like, back in the day, they didn't have, I guess, the uh mental maturity i don't know how to how to put it um to know not to should people so of course you know when john the baptist is being asked questions about what are some things that we can do to become holier people he's going to give them some answers and i mean i'm kind of a solutions person too if you come to me and complain about something or you're like i need to be better i'll give you some ideas and you know the boys know what's up i will definitely give lots of ideas but I just love that fact about President Nelson that he's never going to shit anyone. He's just trying to give people information. And the most important thing that he says is that we need to keep our connection with heaven. Like we need to the most important relationship that we have is with Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. And that the Holy Ghost, like if we can live so close to them, that the Holy Ghost will tell us all things that we should do. Right. And that we should not have anybody else telling us what to do because if we have that uh channel of revelation open that's the most important relationship that we have and the lord can tell us all the things that we need to be doing and that we should do right i only allow general authorities to should me and so everybody else is just sorry you don't get to should me but i <laughs> i guess my mom gets to should me too but anyways so because these people have my best interest in mind that's why other people they don't really you know they have separate agendas so of course um so i love that he was giving them ideas but at the same time in our day we don't need to look for ideas outside of ourselves and outside of the lord um we can get those answers from the prophet you know how do we come closer to christ what are some things we can do there and then we can choose right we can he tells us the blessings that will come and then we can we get to choose if that is what we want um and of course we're going to choose what we want that we want that because we want that joy okay and then 15 he says and as the people were in expectation and all men mused in their hearts of john whether he were the christ or not john answered saying unto them all i indeed baptize you with water but the one mightier than i cometh that the latchet of whose shoes i am not worthy to unloose did i read this already probably <laughs> but this is now friday so now i can't remember and i don't want to spend time reading all the other things so um but i also think that a bunch of people were quoting this and then um quoting this part from from john the baptist so it's okay i am not worthy to unloose and he shall baptize you with the holy ghost and with fire whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into the garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. And he and many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. 
Okay, so this is so John. So now John the Baptist is about to go to prison, of course, because the wicked take the truth to be hard, right? And of course, um, Herod, the one that was currently in charge, was feeling threatened by uh, by his preaching, but also by Jesus Christ. And anyway, um, okay. So then it says, the way many publicans made extra money was the, by gathering more than was owed and they then keeping the extra. The publicans hearing John's teachings were anxious to know what they could do to receive the Lord's gospel. And then, of course, they said, uh, to exact no more than which that is appointed you. So, in other words, only take the taxes that you were owed and no more, right? And so I think that's why the publicans were the ones that people didn't like so much because publicans were tax collectors who like collected the taxes for the Romans, but they were despised by their Jews and excommunicated. But many publicans like Matthew and Zacchaeus eagerly accepted the gospel, but um, usually publicans were, were people that were tax collectors that were Jews. So like they tried to hire people within their own community so, like, the government tried to hire people that were within the community to do these things so that they didn't have to do it, right? I mean, it makes sense. Good delegating. Like, I, I still need to learn that. But, um, and so that's why uh, people were so upset with them because they were like, how dare you? It's the government. It's either the government against the people or nothing, right? Like, but obviously people still need to make a living. And anyway, so there you go. And then it says, Luke records another group that approached John. This group was a group of soldiers, and they asked, what, um, and what shall we do? These soldiers were either from the Roman army um, or some Jewish soldiers serving with the Roman military. Some scholars suggest that, might, that there might have been a culture of violence and, exhort, and extortion among the soldiers to get gain and, properly, and property from the Jews. The Greek translation for violence here translates to do not take money by force. Um, also, don't come up with false ac accusations in order to get somebody's money or property from them. So verse 15 gives us an idea of how effective John was at his mission to preach to, to and prepare the people. As the people were expecting the Messiah and as they esteemed John so highly, they who was yet coming, someone whose shoe he did not feel worthy to latch, which was a menial task, but he didn't even feel worthy to do that. The Messiah, who was coming, ready to perform his great work, he's coming with a winnowing fork or fan in his hand, and winnow and a winnowing fork is used to toss grain and separate the grain from the chaff. Um, okay, so please look up a video that says how to winnow or how... Um, how to separate wheat from the chaff um, because I was able to find some videos and it actually makes it really uh, it really like it helps to I identify like what is going on like because back then that's those are some of the processes that they knew were familiar to people so that's why you know the Lord always uh, speaks in parables that's why people spoke in parables just to kind of give get people a visualization of like what was happening right or what was going to happen and um and so it's kind of cool to see how the wheat when you pour it out of a bucket 
is heavy okay but then the chaff is just like fluff it's like it's like nothing right and it has no weight and so as you pour the wheat down and there's a fan blowing i'm like wouldn't the wheat fly away no it actually is heavy enough to maintain its trajectory but the chaff is not heavy enough to get to its goal and so the fan that's blowing the wind blows this like really lightweight wheat particles um out into somewhere else other than the bucket that you're trying to put the wheat in right so i'm just picturing or because it's a video i saw it's a bucket pouring wheat into another bucket but the fan is in the middle so it's almost like you know when you uh use like a colander to drain out the water from the noodles it's like that so like the noodles stay but the water leaks out um so it's kind of like that except that the fan is what is um separating the wheat from the chaff and so the chaff just kind of flies away and then it makes a gigantic mess <laughs> of course you know that i hate those and so now you have a bunch of this powder of wheat powder on the ground and it's just like grain random grain powder because the wheat kernels like fell into the bucket right and so now because the fan i'm like well what are you like why are we fanning it anyway like why is it a fan um blowing it away but i think the the lesson here that we learn from using a fan is that like you don't have any weight and you're just blown by every wind of doctrine just to and fro you know like anything you are not grounded you are you don't have anything that you're focused on so you just kind of fly with the wind right so nobody wants to feel weak and fly with the wind right so that i think that's the whole idea like don't be weak be strong um <clears throat> anyway um so look it up it's really informative okay verses 19 and 20 highlight how fearless and and bold john was in his message as luke explains that john even spoke against herod the tetrarch Okay, I had the alarm go off just now because I have to get going. Um, who was his brother's wife? John spoke against Herod's actions and Herod ended up shutting John in prison. Okay, so now we're on Matthew three thirteen to 17. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? So being baptized is the first ordinance of the gospel, right? And Jesus answering said unto him, suffer it to be so now. So like allow this to happen for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. So Jesus, you know, sometimes we picture baptism as just like cleansing us from all the sins. Right. And it's true. It does. But we can actually get that same effect from the sacrament every week. Um so that, I mean, that's like key, right? To, to enter into the kingdom of God. That's the first ordinance. But then he says, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water and lo, the heaven, but like Jesus, hold on, sorry. But Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He didn't have any sins, right? So why did he get baptized? Why were we baptizing him? And he said that it's because it, it's to fulfill all righteousness. So he wanted to fulfill his father's commandments. He's just, just trying to be a righteous son fulfilling a father's command um and so here we go and jesus went and 
when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, I know this um, story, and I know this happened in real life because when I read these things, the Spirit testifies to me so strongly that it's true. And it's weird because I was not in a crying mood, right? It just kind of comes and just like this overwhelming feeling. And so I believe so strongly that we need to read the scriptures. We need to be found reading the actual scriptures every day so that we can have this so we can have the spirit testify of those truth the truthfulness of things that we read that we that we learn about Jesus Christ and so i'm so grateful that i took just a few minutes to immerse myself in the lord's word because i didn't want to miss out on this right um and jesus is getting baptized here and of course i know this story and so you know, I'm like, oh, and I look at a picture, you know, it doesn't really do a whole lot. It's just kind of visual. But then when I read these things, it's just a whole different level, you know. Okay. Um, we have some quotes, but also I just wanted to say it says that the spirit of God descending like, like a dove. So like when there's pictures of an actual dove, just remember that's just because they're trying to... Um, show something that the scriptures are trying to tell us about but it's like a dove but not I don't believe that like maybe an actual dove was there (laughs) Uh, who knows you know I mean there were probably lots of animals wanting to observe Jesus getting baptized I know that we could have been observing Christ getting baptized um and thinking that it was awesome but like i don't necessarily think there was an actual dove because it says like a dove okay remember um and then it says some commentary baptism of jesus christ matthew mark luke matthew mark and luke all give similar accounts of the baptisms of jesus christ uh of the baptism of jesus christ (laughs) i guess uh spell check in verse 13 we learn that jesus came from galilee to john at the jordan river Joseph Smith explained, John at the time was the only legal administrator in the affairs of the kingdom. There was then on the earth and holding the keys of power. So this is Joseph Smith, teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. So he had to come to John because there was nobody else. Um, But also it was fun that they were cousins, right? And then um, why did Jesus need to be baptized, right? We have that question and and elder j richard clark says jesus was not baptized as other accountable candidates were so like all like us he does he didn't get baptized the way we got baptized like or the reason why we got we get baptized for the remission of sins he his was an act of simple submission submissive obedience so again remember he was just trying to be an obedient son um okay and then when let's see when jesus approached john to be baptized john forbade him (laughs) 
Jesus then replied, suffer it to be so now, which means to allow this to happen. Jesus added, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. The New Testament seminary teacher manual explains, to fulfill all righteousness means doing all that Heavenly Father requires of us, that we can live with so that we can live with him again. This includes receiving the ordinances of salvation, which God requires of all his children, including Jesus. By being baptized, Jesus set the perfect example for us to follow, right? Because even him who was not perfect or who was completely perfect without sin got baptized. So of course we have need to be baptized even more, right? So Jesus was then baptized and then the heavens opened and John witnessed the other two members of the Godhead. The Holy Ghost descended upon Jesus like a dove and God the Father spoke from heaven. And the way that I I uh can identify the spirit in my in my life testify of, to of truthfulness that I'm reading is with tears because the spirit overflows and it comes out (laughs) so that's how i know that this is true and that this happened in real life and that it's important for me to know that it's true i really liked the talk on sunday uh brother what's his face from the high council don't know his name doesn't matter um he said that he knows better than he he knows that jesus christ lives and knows the gospel is true better than he can see all of us in the congregation being present there that is true does that make sense i'm probably butchering what he said anyway but um basically meaning like he can see everybody in the congregation and he knows that's true but he knows the gospel and is true and he knows jesus christ lives more than having a witness of seeing because his spirit was able to see right and so do we have that testimony right and if we don't that's okay nobody needs to shame us for not having that kind of testimony uh what i love is having that righteous desire to have the spirit testify to me of those truthfulness of the truthfulness of those things just like that brother you know can i say that about my testimony okay mark 1 9 to 11 says and it came to pass in those days that jesus came from nazareth of galilee and was baptized of john in jordan and straight away coming up out of the water he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him and there came a voice from heaven saying why does it get me every time? <laughs> Thou art my beloved son in whom I am whom I am well pleased. And I just love that Heavenly Father, as his son was getting baptized and doing what he had asked, is that Heavenly Father, instead of focusing on all the things that we're doing wrong, as you know, that's sometimes i struggle with that sometimes instead of seeing all the good things that my children do i am somehow convinced to go and talk about all the things that they're not doing right and you know i need to take that example from heavenly father and just focus on the things that my kids are doing right now obviously he's 
not wanting to me wanting me to stop parenting so when you when we see something going on we should say something but to focus on things that are going right i just like that um idea okay um we're gonna read we're gonna finish reading luke 3 21 to 34 and then we'll finish up to 38 okay because we gotta get going Oh, really quick. There's another quote by Joseph Smith. Um, it says that the holy, the sign of the dove was instituted before the creation of the world. A witness for, for the Holy Ghost. And the devil cannot come in the sign of a dove. The Holy Ghost is a personage and is in the form of a personage. It does not confine itself to the form of a dove, but in the sign of the dove. Does that make sense? So the Holy Ghost cannot be transformed into a dove. <laughs> not a shapeshifter <laughs> but the sign of a dove was given to john to signify the truth of the deed as the dove is an emblem or token of truth and innocence okay so there you go okay um luke 21 or luke 3 21 here we go now when all the people were baptized it came to pass that jesus also being baptized and praying the heaven was open and the holy ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said thou art my beloved son in thee i am well pleased now it's interesting that this one records the the way that heavenly father said in thee i am well pleased so it's like heavenly father was just speaking with jesus one-on-one -on -one, you know i love that um okay and jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age so this is verse 23 now being as was supposed the son of joseph which was the son of heli which was the son of Mathat, which was the son of levi which was the son of melech which was the son of jana which was the son of joseph which was the son of Matthias, Matthias, which was the son of amos which was the son of nam which was the son of esli which was the son of Naj, which was the son of Math, which was the son of Matthias, which was the son of Semei, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Joanna, which was the son of Rasha, which was the son of Zorabel, which was the son of Salathiel, which was the son of Neri. Okay, this, I'm giving the gene genealogy of Jesus. Okay, which was the son of Melchi, which was the son of Adi, which was the son of Kosam, which was the son of Elmodam, which was the son of Ur, which was the son of Jose, which was the son of Eliezer, which was the son of Joram, which was the son of Methat, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Simeon, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Jonah, Jonan, which was the son of Eliakim, which was the son of Melia, which was the son of Menen, Menan, which was the son of Mathatha, Mathath, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David, which was King David, which was the son of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, which was the son of Booz or Boaz and Ruth, which was the son of Salmon, 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 uh, which was the son of Nason, which was the son of Amminadab, which was the son of Aram, which was the son of Esram, which was the son of 
Pharis, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham, which was the son of Therah, which was the son of Nacor, which was the son of Saruch, which was the son of Ragu, Ragau, which was the son of Phalik, which was the son of Heber, which was the son of Selah, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxad, which was the son of Sam, which was the son of No, which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Malil, which is the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which is the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Okay, um, so the last line in this chapter, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God, is Luke declaring the eternal nature and divine design of mankind. John Taylor quoted Luke 3, 38, when he said, our spirits are eternal and emanate from God. So we as a people have always understood and do understand today. We possess our bodies also, and they also emanate from God. The Bible tells us something in relation to these matters in tracing about genealogies. Who was Seth? He was the son of Adam. So like, what is the important truth here um, that Luke was trying to share with all of us? I think it's so important i love that he included this normally i'm like crazy all the names that i don't know how to pronounce why do we have that in the bible you know but it just goes to show us that jesus christ was a man just like us but also that we are like him and that's just really humbling and feels fills me with hope anyways um thanks for showing up thanks for being here i get to go to the chicago temple it's gonna be awesome hopefully i'm not late (laughs) and if i am guaranteed they'll let me do initiatories so no worries um but i was gonna do a session because i think because i don't usually have enough time to do that and this time i will so anyways this has been awesome i have loved reading these chapters i love the bible you know i miss being able to read it all the time because i read the book of mormon a lot and the bible is just a whole different whole different thing but it just continues to testify of jesus christ like bible the the new testament the old testament all the things um I love you, and we'll see you soon. We miss you. We miss you all, and wish we could give you big hugs and kisses. Anyways, um, and Frodo is doing so good. He's a good shield mine. All right, love you guys. Bye.